for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to the Blitz podcast on another episode of our power ranking segment that we've been rolling through throughout the summer so far. And today we'll be covering our 21st ranked team, and that is the Atlanta Falcons, who definitely have some uh, interesting pieces at play this year. Uh, but are we Excited to talk about the Falcons today. I think um, I'm sensing some hot takes to be like revealed later on in the episode. I don't know. Who knows? I do have some very fun things to say about this Falcons team. I really, you know, we're, we're going to talk about everybody in a minute, but I, I like a lot of the pieces that they have on this roster. I think I might be a little bit higher on the Falcons than most people. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like I said, they've got some reason to be optimistic this year, uh, especially over last year. And they've steadily made improvements to this team. I mean, this is a team that post Matt Ryan, I mean, really looked like it was going to be in the stinker for a long time. And they have been in the stinker. There's no doubt about that. But uh, they've definitely made some improvements with some high draft picks. Uh, So we'll see what they can do this season. Uh, But to start out our evaluations, we got to start at the quarterback position. And we have this team ranked 32 out of 32 quarterbacks. Um, that's really rough, man. Like, I don't know if it should be that harsh. Like, I'm thinking about it now. Like, maybe Baker and Kyle Trask is a worse combo. Um, but it doesn't get much worse than Desmond Ritter. And my boy, Taylor Heineke, um, as your options going into this year. Uh, Desmond Ritter was a late quarterback in a draft class that had no quarterbacks, really. And um, not a lot of hope there. But is there any reason of optimism among these quarterbacks this year? Uh, We were talking about it before the podcast. I mean, how quick do you see maybe a Taylor Heineke appearance this season? Yeah, and we kind of get these episodes back-to-back with Washington being our previous episode where we're talking about quarterbacks with not a lot of optimism because they were picked late in a uh, draft class that wasn't very good. So kind of funny how tables turned there. wasn't so optimistic of an approach for Desmond Ritter as it was for Sam Howe. Um, And I think the question... Well, Desmond Ritter was never, like, expected to be the best quarterback in the class at one point. You know, fair. Like Desmond Ritter was always Desmond Ritter wasn't going to be drafted for a while until he had his senior season. Yeah, but okay. and and I think the questions of well, why is Sam Howell, who's a fifth round pick, and Desmond Ritter, who's a third round pick, why you got Sam Howell's group higher? And quite frankly, that's because it's Jacoby Brissett as the backup option there, um, and a lot of the other things that we said about that quarterback room, um, or really just Sam Howell last week. I don't see the same optimism for Desmond Ritter. Uh, I've never been a Ritter guy. I obviously I'm a Steelers fan. Steelers were picking in that picking quarterback in that draft. There were some rumblings about maybe Desmond Ritter becoming a Steelers fan. I hated that. I just never saw it with him. I don't see it with him here. I didn't see it with him playing for Atlanta last year. Um, 
quite frankly, I don't think there's any way that the Falcons aren't looking to upgrade a quarterback by the end of this season, especially with the group of playmakers that they got this offensive line, this improving defense in a, you know, relatively easy division. You have an opportunity to really make the jump. You know, they could have done the same thing that the Carolina Panthers did and went up and got Bryce Young. You know, they were picking at eighth. Carolina was picking at ninth. They could have made that move to go up and get Bryce Young. They opted not to and to stick with Desmond Ritter. And that's fine. But I think 32 is fair. Um, I, you, you mentioned something about Taylor Heineke. Maybe we see him early. The thing is with that is I don't think we see him too early because I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to have enough opportunities to make the mistakes that would get him benched that early. Now, maybe by week eight, if, you know, they're running the ball really well and the defense is playing really well and it's not producing to wins because he's not producing in the passing game, maybe they make a change then because I I just, I think the way that they run the ball so much, it's not like he's going to be throwing 30 to 40 times a game and making a ton of mistakes, but if he makes mistakes in the few throws that he gets then that's when I think we start talking about maybe a Taylor Heineke or something else going on here. You know, who maybe they're in the trade market. If, let's say, Tennessee says, you know, screw it, we're going to roll with Will Levis for the rest of the year and Ryan Tannehill becomes available. Arthur Smith was Ryan Tannehill's offensive coordinator in Tennessee and has experience with Tannehill. His, Tannehill's best seasons in his NFL career with were with Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator. So I, that was just completely, I had not thought of that until 20 seconds ago. So that was completely off the cuff, but could happen. Definitely could happen. But um, I just, I don't get the optimism for some around Desmond or I think 32 is very fair. Yeah. Like, I think he's just like a low, like I, I wouldn't even say like a high floor. Like, he's a floor quarterback with really no ceiling that, like, you could really look forward to. I mean, his his ceiling is very average. Like, he's never going to be – he doesn't have the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks in this league. And he won't turn into that. And the only reason that I think we might see a Heineke appearance uh, before week eight is because this division sucks. You know, you've got the Panthers, and if they start out struggling – if the Bucks struggle, like we predict them to struggle, um, and if the Saints like start out not as hot as we expect them to, like there could be an opportunity to like lead this division. And if you're like just like waddling it out with Desmond Ritter, I don't think you'll want to do that if you're in a position to like take the division. And I think Taylor Heineke puts you in a better position um, if. Desmond Ritter doesn't show any flashes like early on. So I think we might see a Taylor Heineke transition earlier than possible. I mean, he's one of the, and I'm getting on my Homer horse here, but he's one of the better, if not like top five backup quarterback options in the league. Um, so got a lot, like it's a nice security blanket to have an Atlanta fan and we'll see how it goes, man. And we've got him ranked 32 for a reason, like you said. So, but it does get a lot better when you transition to the Atlanta Falcons playmakers as we have them ranked 17th out of 32 teams. So right around the middle of the pack, uh, but this team with how young they are on the playmaker side, they are just going to keep rising the ranks every single season. Uh, so we start out with Drake London on the outside. 
um, a top five wide receiver pick, at least top ten. He was um, just last. Yeah, he was picked eighth last year ahead of guys like Garrett Wilson mm-hmm. and Chris Olave, who did outperform him in his rookie season. Now you can point that to the offense or whatever you like to, but he was picked ahead of those guys. He was the first wide receiver taken in that class, and <clears throat> that doesn't look like the greatest selection. I know. I grilled it because I was a Garrett Wilson guy. I had Drake London as my wide receiver three. I did not like that pick at all. He was better than I thought he would be, but I was right about Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave being better, at least at this point in their careers. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a heavy run offense. I mean, like we mentioned before, uh, but Drake London did receive like an insane target share last year, uh, which was like historic um, as far as rookie wide receivers go. Uh, the production, like you said, um, wasn't up to snuff like we would want it to be, um, especially considering the target share. But they love Drake London when they do throw the ball. They're looking for number 10, and they're also looking for their tight end, who is arguably a wide receiver himself, and that is Kyle Pitts, who was he was top five two years ago. And he obviously won a generational tight end. Um, hasn't really panned out so far. Like, people aren't doubting the talent. The talent is still there. It's just like he hasn't been able to get the opportunities. He's not being targeted in the end zone, uh, stuff like that. So they need to learn how to better utilize Kyle. He is a weapon. And then, got to mention, the dude in the backfield. They also spent a top 10 pick on this past draft, and that is Bijan Robinson, the man out of Texas, and I know you have glowing things to say about Mr. B. John Robinson and a run-heavy offense under Arthur Smith. So what do you see the outlook for Bijan and the rest of the offense looking like this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, this this group of playmakers, the problem with it and the reason why we have it at 17th is the depth, specifically a wide receiver. Uh, you know, Matt Collins and Scotty Miller are wide receiver fours in an ideal scenario, and you've got those guys as your two and three here. Obviously, they're not going to be the two and three pass catchers because Kyle Pitts is going to be a de facto wide receiver in his own right. I could see them running a lot of two tight end sets with Arthur Smith at offensive coordinator. They could be running even some art, uh, some tight end th- three tight end sets with Parker Hesse as well uh, to go with Jonu Smith. Parker Hesse going to be like next to the tackle. John and Smith going to be a little bit off of him. And then Kyle Smith as a legit wide receiver um, is definitely a set that we could see a lot more uh, with Atlanta. But Bijan Robinson, I really can't say enough about this guy. I love the way he plays. He, you know, people give him LT comps. They're, that's really the only one that I see that like I can point to and be like, yeah, that like that fits the bill. He's that good. LT is one of the six or seven best running backs ever. And it's hard to say that I think he could reach that with how quickly running backs get in and out of the league at this point. But I think there's a higher possibility that he goes for like 2,000 yards than he goes for 1,000 yards. Like, especially in this offense with the volume that he's going to get um, in redraft fantasy leagues, he'd be my number one overall pick. Uh, The only thing that concerns me is how they like to use this running back room. You know, you still have Tyler Algier here. You still have Cordero Patterson here. I do think Cordero Patterson might be potentially available to a team. Uh, He does have a, I think he might have not a significant cap hit, 
but one of the higher ones among running backs in the NFL. So he could be expendable for them, especially the way that they are able to churn out running backs. I mean, they've even got Caleb Huntley down at RB4 on this team that can would be getting snaps for a lot of teams. But if this was just a ranking of the best wide receiver, the best running back, the best tight end, this is probably a top six or seven unit in the NFL. The only problem is that wide receiver depth. I also want to talk quickly about the running back depth again. Tyler Algier would be starting for, I don't know, probably a handful yep. of teams in the NFL. He was a thousand, for a thousand yeah, yards. He was a thousand year. yard rusher yep. last year. I remember picking him in like the 16th round. And I was like, dude, this watch out for this guy. He's going to be getting a lot of shit. And Cordero Patterson started the year. And by the time Algier finally got it rolling, I had already dropped him because I was like, I can't wait any longer. And like the last two or three weeks, he has like three or 400 yards gets to that thousand yard mark. And I'm not able to reap any of the benefits of waiting for him for nine weeks to get a starting role. But you know, that's, that's fantasy football for you. Um, but I think that this could very well be a top 10 group by the end of the year. The only thing that concerns me is those two other wide receivers that aren't Drake London. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree with you on the running back depth. I mean, I don't even know if they get rid of Cordero Patterson. I mean, it's kind of like the same mindset that I had with the Lions uh, when they drafted Jameer Gibbs and they didn't trade Swift at first. I was like, this team's going to throw the ball like 10 to 15 times a game and they're going to run it ridiculous amounts and they're going to have every running back in their backfield involved. Uh, who knows? Maybe they do that in Atlanta. Like, I mean, Cordell Patterson isn't really a I mean, you kind of proved he was an in-between-the-tackles back for a little bit, but you don't really have to use him like that. So maybe they use him on some end-around stuff and then, like, balance out. I mean, obviously, Bijan will be the primary, but, like, balance out Tyler Ashier and Brian Robinson. and Not Brian Robinson, Bijan Robinson. Very stark difference there between two running back prospects. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're going to get everybody involved, and this offense is going to be a lot of fun. And... With them running as heavy as they do, it'll open up a lot of opportunities for Kyle Pitts and Drake London this year. So, in that way, Bijan helps his offense. So, all right, let's move on from the playmakers and let's dive into this very impressive offensive line for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you could argue very strongly that this is the reason that they have been such a strong running team, uh, especially last year. This offensive line burst onto the scene. And we've got them ranked in the top five. I mean, we've got them ranked as the fourth best offensive line among the rest of the league. Um, and, I mean, damn, looking at these names going down. It's an exciting group, man. Anybody hopping off the page? I mean, the main guy that hops off the page is obviously Chris Lindstrom. Uh, had a career year last year. Had one of the best years from a guard that we've seen in a long time. Finished with a absurd 95 PFF grade, uh, which is one of the best grades that, you know, it's uh, on a... I think it's on a 1 to 99 scale or 1 to 99.9 scale. 95 is pretty pretty damn good. I don't think there was a single player that graded higher than that last season. So he had a phenomenal year last year, earned himself a nice contract extension to go with it. They've also got two uh, above average tackles here in Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarry. Uh, I believe Caleb McGarry is one of those two tackles also got extended this year. Uh, so good for those guys as well. You do have, I wouldn't call them question marks, but new guys in here, or one new guy in here, and then Drew Dahlman. I don't know how I feel about Drew Dahlman starting. I think I'd rather have started Matt Hennessy. I'd want to have my best five out there, and I think Matt Hennessy is one of the five best linemen on this team. 
and he has played center in the past. I think that if Drew Dahlman doesn't work out, it will be Matt Hennessy going in at center. And then you have Matthew Bergeron as well, rookie from Syracuse, ends up going in the second round. He was a late riser in the process. He was probably projected as a day three pick, you know, even leading about two weeks up to the draft. Starts moving into round two. I remember Mitchell even mocked him at 20 at one point, which I thought was a little insane. But he ends up going at 40 to the Falcons, and uh, not too many better schemes that he could have gone to where you're surrounded by this much talent. And all those things that I said about Bijan and this running game are backed by this offensive line. You know, when you have an offensive line like this, a coach that loves to run the ball and is able to really scheme it up like this, this is why I'm saying I, I do think that Bijan Robinson could be the best running back in the NFL by the end of the season. I don't even know if we'll really be having a conversation about it, to be honest. With you. I think that the you know maybe his youth and the fact that it's only one year might be leading to it, but would not be surprised if he grades as the highest rated, graded running back per PFF and has the most rushing yards and every good thing that you can say about him because of this offensive line and because of his talent. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's the best running back prospect to come out since Saquon. And, like, people think Saquon, they think, oh, like, he kind of really didn't live up to that hype. That first season that he had was ridiculous, record-setting, amazing, uh, all of the above. And you could see a lot of similar production from Bijan Robinson behind this line. And also, like, I mean, if you're going to put the 32nd-ranked quarterback group out of 32 teams behind an offensive line, this is certainly the offensive line or one of the offensive lines that you would pick. Uh, so got to feel good about that. So, all right, let's move on from this impressive offensive line group to dive in to this front seven. And we're less impressed by them. We've got them ranked 28th. And let's go around um, the block here a little bit. Uh, Calais Campbell, they brought in, um, I believe, on a one-year deal. Obviously a veteran. Um, obviously he's not the old Calais Campbell he used to be. Uh, but still a very solid, productive player. Uh, got Bud Dupree on the outside. Um, they got Jarrett still on the line. He showed flashes last year. So, I mean, who do you see breaking out here? And do you see, like, I mean, do they get any better than 27th? Or where we've got them ranked 28th? Do you see them ranking out any better than 28th at the end of the season? Is there potential? I, I think there's potential for sure. Uh you know, you got a veteran group up front with Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, and Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett really hasn't showed much since that Pro Bowl season he had, I believe, in either 2020 or 2021. Uh, so you're really hoping that he can return to that form as one of the best uh, interior rushers in the NFL. David Onyemata was another guy brought over from the Saints. We'll talk about Caden Ellis, who was also brought over from the Saints here. Uh I'd imagine that was a lot of Ryan Nielsen, who is the new defensive coordinator there, who was a defensive coach in New Orleans, bringing a lot of his guys over. Um, Calais Campbell, like you said, not the guy that he once was. I was pretty surprised that he didn't return to Baltimore. I know that they cut him, but there were conversations about maybe them re-signing him just to a lesser deal just because they couldn't afford to pay him that much. But he ends up going to get a one-year $7 million deal from Atlanta. Uh, you do have Bud Dupree here, who I completely forgot signed with Atlanta. Like, I think it was a couple weeks ago. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, where did Bud Dupree go? Because I remember there were conversations about the Steelers mm -hmm. maybe bringing him back in after the Titans let him go. 
obviously didn't happen. He's here in Atlanta. You got Lorenzo Carter on the other side. I would not be surprised if Arnold Ebicati ends up taking that job from him. Lorenzo Carter has been kind of underwhelming in his time in the league. Arnold Ebicati, second round pick last year, uh, was getting some first round buzz towards the end of the process, but could be a solid player for them. Was not very good in year one, but maybe a year two jump from him. And then this linebacker pair, you got Caden Ellis, like I said, coming over from New Orleans. Uh, was one of the breakout candidates that I was thinking about here, but we ultimately ended up going with Troy Anderson, who's also going to be playing linebacker for them. Freak athlete. Uh, we talked about him a little bit last year, but he played quarterback and running back uh, at Montana State. Ends up converting to linebacker. He's only been playing for two or three years, but is an elite 100th percentile athlete. Um, just needs to figure out the position, just needs to get more time playing the position. But overall, I don't know how much improvement you're going to be seeing from this group just because it is a lot of veteran presence. You don't have, like, it's not like the Texans where we're looking at, like, oh, well, if Will Anderson is this good, we could be seeing some significant improvement from them. Uh, they don't really have a guy like that on this unit. This is, outside of quarterback, this is going to be their biggest weakness next year, and it's really going to be carried. This defense is going to be carried by the presence that the secondary brings with all the overhauling they did to that group. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's not really much to talk about when it comes to the front seven. I mean, you pretty much covered it all. It's an aging veteran group, uh, which can be useful, you know. Um, I mean, it's certainly not bad that you have some vets because when you look at this secondary, they could definitely carry this defense to success this year. I mean, it's dirty, so let's dive into it. Um, we've got them ranked 12th um, out of 32 teams, which all almost seems too low. I was looking at it last night, and, I mean, if you go around here, they got A.J. Terrell. They took high-value pick. I mean, he's showed great things uh, so far in the league. I mean, I would consider him a top 10 corner in the league right now, if not even higher. Um, but they also traded for Jeff Okuda, who was looking to be that same type of corner out of Ohio State. I mean, very high draft pick a few years back uh, for Detroit. Um, they end up trading him to Atlanta um, because he had the injury and then wasn't really showing a ton coming off the injury. Uh, so, you know, I'll kick the tires on Jeff Okuda. So that's a great acquisition. Or acquisition. And then uh, you get Jesse Bates, um, one of the best safeties in the league. I mean, he's top 10, in my opinion, probably. I mean, it's really close. There's a lot of talented safeties, uh, but I would put him top 10 for sure. So that's like, I mean, that's a really dirty group, man. I mean, you got those three guys, and then you got some nice complimentary pieces, man. So what do you see the secondary? Yeah, I think this, this is... One of the better groups in the NFL. I think 12 is fine. I know, uh, like, Mitchell texted us and was like, how did they end up 12th? I guess he wasn't as high on this group as uh, the rest of us seem to be. Um, you do break out the wallet a little bit. You go get Jesse Bates. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck, I know. Mitch. But you go break out the wallet. You go get Jesse Bates, who's one of the, I don't know, four or five best safeties in the NFL. Um, and bringing him in is a big culture change. You can see that along with the front seven as well, where they're paying up to bring in a Calais Campbell, a Bud Dupree, a David Onyemata, a Caden Ellis. Like they're tired of this being one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So they're trying to make improvements to it. Uh, they also go get Jeff Akuda for a fifth round pick. He's going to fit perfectly into Ryan Nielsen's new scheme that he's going to be bringing here. That press man bump and run scheme that he runs that, that Dennis Allen has been running in for years in new Orleans. Uh, I think this also will help A.J. Terrell. Uh, 
had a phenomenal 2021 campaign, played like one of the two or three best corners in the NFL, was not one of the two or three best corners in the NFL last season, took a big fall off. He's kind of had a very up and down career. His rookie year wasn't very great. Year two was very, very, very good. Last year wasn't very great. So if history repeats itself, we should be in for another career year for AJ Terrell. Uh, and that's what Atlanta's hoping for here, because if AJ Terrell can have a career year, uh, you even get baseline play from Jeff Okuda. You know what you're going to get from Mike Hughes at this point. You know what you're going to get from Richie Gray. And at this point, those two are solid starters in the NFL. But with Jesse Bates, Roman back there, and AJ Terrell and Jeff Okuda, uh, and this new scheme that they're going to bring, I do think this could be one of the 10 to 12 best secondaries in the NFL for sure. Uh, the only problem is that pressure up front you, that you get from a lot of these other teams, where these they're not always they're going to have all day to throw. So these guys got to cover for longer. And when you're running man coverage and you're running man coverage for a long time, it's pretty easy to lose at some point. Somebody's going to lose eventually. Um, but regardless of that, I still think that this is a very good group with a lot of room for potential uh, outside of the playmakers. I think this room, ha- this group has the most room to grow because of the youth on it and because of the raw talent on it. Yeah, for sure. I was uh, I was questioning Jesse Bates uh, sitting inside the top ten for safeties because I knew I just looked at a list that uh, Ari Miroff put off. Uh, right before the episode and he's got jesse bates ranked as the sixth best safety in the league so like that's that's awesome man this this team could be really dirty in the secondary this year uh we just got to see what happens you know uh but let's move on from the secondary and let's dive into the coaching for the atlanta falcons this year and not too optimistic man i mean it's not terrible we've got them ranked 26th out of 32 teams and they are headed up by Arthur Smith, who's very run heavy. Uh, seems like he's a very old school football kind of guy with a lot of new school weapons. I mean, he's got Drake London, Kyle Pitts to play with, now B. John Robinson. Like, this is a very exciting offense. Maybe they don't have the right guy at the helm. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think that I'm now that I'm looking at it, I think 26 might be a little bit unfair. Uh, to Arthur Smith and this staff. Uh, Arthur Smith is one of the best run game coaches in the NFL at this point. Uh, He's been able to create a fantastic run game out of a guy like Tyler Algier, out of Cordero Patterson a year before that. Uh, I think a lot of the hate that he gets is from not being, excuse me, not getting Kyle Pitts as involved as the fantasy community specifically would like him to be. And while I, I don't want to be the guy that defends the head coach here, that's not his job. You know, I, I understand that you want to, everybody wants to get him involved. Kyle Pitts was a thousand yard player in his rookie season. That very rarely ever happens. Just nobody talks about it because he only scored one touchdown. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to Matt Ryan being one of the worst red zone quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. I mean, Julio Jones had that same problem where it felt like, you know, he'd have these 10 catch 180 yard games, zero touchdowns because Matt Ryan could not operate in the red zone. And it was a lot of the same last year with Marcus Mariota. You know, they're not passing as much and he's not exactly the greatest red zone quarterback himself. He doesn't, he hasn't even played with Desmond Ritter yet because just as he was getting going last year, he, uh, Kyle Pitts ends up tearing his ACL or MCL, one of those two, but he 
was out for the season after an injury. Um, Dave Ragone, uh, Mitchell so lovingly, or not lovingly, but uh, I guess surprisingly brought up. Former NFL Europe MVP, Dave Ragone, here. Uh, really not going to be doing a whole – he's not going to be calling the plays here. That's going to be Arthur Smith calling the plays on offense. So, you know, it's kind of one of those situations where he's just kind of got the job and title. You know, he's the quarterback's coach here as well, so he just gets the coordinator name. Uh, I talked a little bit about Ryan Nielsen and what he's going to bring. He bounced around through college for working it up, working his way up through New Orleans. Uh, he's going to run that Dennis Allen bump and run aggressive man heavy scheme. Uh, it's nice to see, to be honest with you, uh, with all these teams starting to move into that quarters coverage where they're playing these soft zones and just letting four guys attack. You know, this Falcons defense is going to be aggressive. And that press man scheme is going to be something that not a lot of these teams deal with on a week-to-week basis. So that could also be helpful for them. Uh, to 26, I mean, I'm not putting them too much higher than 26. Maybe they jump riverboat. But we're not ta- the problem with Arthur Smith is how much does he relate to players? Like, he doesn't have that Tomlin, that Vrabel vibe to him. Um, like we see it when he's dealing with the media, like we saw with the Marcus Mariota situation where they were asking him, you know, where's Marcus Mariota? And he was kind of very quick to be like, we don't care where Marcus Mariota is. Um, and I, yeah, I just I remember the that. Kyle Pitt situation where he's like, you know, quite frankly, we don't care about your fantasy teams. So he's never going to have that CEO type uh, tag attached to him just because he can't connect with the players in that way. But as a pure X's and O's guy, I still think he's phenomenal. Maybe he jumps Riverboat Ron, but I don't think the coaching group as a whole. I mean, we have Eric Bieniemy and Jack Del Rio, too. Like, Jack Del Rio was a former head coach at one point. But this is not a Commanders episode. We already covered that. Um, but, I mean, you're right. Like, he has put together a very impressive front scheme. And a very impressive run game, like, and the numbers have been really good with, like, not the best running backs in the league, you know? But you draft Drake London with a very high draft pick. You draft Kyle Pitts with a very high draft pick. And, like, you got to throw the football. Like, you're expected – management expects you to throw the football if you're drafting guys like that. You know, like, you got to get them involved. And I know I sound like an angry fantasy manager here. But – I mean, it would be one thing if the Falcons were winning games and they won the division last year with this great and fantastic run game. You know, that would be one thing, and then I would shut the fuck up. But that did not happen. The Falcons weren't very good, you know? So, like, despite putting together a fantastic run game, that hasn't been winning football games. You know what could win football games? Throwing the ball to Drake London, throwing the ball to Kyle You know what could lose them football games? Desmond Ritter throwing the football. You know, that guy is our 32nd ranked quarterback. If we did this last year by position, I don't think the Marcus Mariota Desmond Ritter tandem would have graded much higher than 32. But I will say, if there is a sense of optimism, the last five weeks of the season, Drake London has 12, 11, 9, 8, and 8 targets. Uh, the last four of those weeks uh, were Desmond Ritter at quarterback. The only thing there is that's with no Kyle Pitts. So we haven't really seen, we have not seen Desmond Ritter. Drake London and Kyle Pitts all on the field at the same time. We don't know what that's going to be like. We also don't know what Bijan Robinson is going to be. Bijan Robinson, there's a reason why I'm talking about him. He could be one of the best receiving backs in the NFL, and that's not even what the thing that he's the best at. He's, you know, I saw this clip of him, like, 
he be, he stacked a guy on the post on a post in college, like was out wide, ran a post like a wide receiver and won. Like there's not too many wide or not too many running backs that can do that. He could also be playing a role here in the passing game as well. I think he might even be playing a bigger role than a guy like Drake London is because Desmond Ritter can find B. John Robinson and B. John Robinson can make those plays after he's already caught the ball that maybe Desmond Ritter can't throw Drake London open for. If you, if Desmond Ritter can't find like very high draft picks, if he can't, if we, if you're saying this shit about Desmond Ritter, then he cannot be the starter. If the, he cannot Amen. start this season, we got him at Taylor 32. Heineke, Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke is capable. Like, is he great? No, not even in any well, sense and that's, of the word. But he is capable of throwing the football down the field to high-value targets. Like, he can do that. And if we're having a conversation about Desmond Ritter not being able to do that at all, then I think we have a major and I, problem. I think here. that might be Taylor Heineke's <laughs> greatest quality is that was it was something I talked about last year was Taylor Heineke's in his head, I imagine probably, is saying, I can't do this myself. <laughs> But Terry McLaurin can. But Jahan Dotson can. And mm-hmm. he's got the big, well, big energy, dude. Something like that. Like he's got like the confidence. He's got the confidence in like, the he's other got guys. The confidence to, to be like, look, throw the if I throw this yeah. down to Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin can do this. I can't do this, but Terry McLaurin can. So maybe he'll think, oh, Kyle Pitts can probably catch this 50 50 ball that I throw up to him. And that's going to be where a lot of the success is had. If Taylor Heineke does end up coming in for them, I'm not going to predict that to happen. Would it probably be better for them in the short term? Probably. Uh, but we'll see on that. Like I yeah. said, when we were talking about quarterbacks, even let's, I mean, I can't see this team having the number one pick next year because of B. John Robinson, because of the secondary, because of Kyle Pitts and Drake London, because of this offensive line. But I can't see them walking into next year with Desmond Ritter. So you've really got to figure out a way to either move up in the draft, maybe a quarterback becomes available. I don't really know if we're ever going to have that 2021, I guess 2022 offseason ever again where there's four franchise quarterbacks potentially available. Um, So it's tough for Atlanta. Atlanta may have missed the boat this year. They could have went up and got one of those guys. Imagine Anthony Richardson. I know B. John Robinson wouldn't have been here if they went and got Anthony Richardson, but... Just, I just want to think about still got Tyler yeah. Algier and like it's mm-hmm. would have been a possibility for sure. So, all right, let's move on from uh, the coaching status for the Atlanta Falcons and let's dive into the schedule for the Falcons this year. And damn, dude! All right, we've got the easiest schedule in the National Football League this year uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, and as I mentioned before. They play in a very bad division, and uh, they don't really play too much outside competition. I mean, I'm looking down this list, and, I mean, their toughest opponents, I mean, obviously, it's the division. You got Green Bay, Detroit, Minnesota. The Jets are going to be rough. But, I mean, this is a very nice schedule for the Atlanta Falcons and should set up nice for them to possibly win the division. They're over-under. It's set at eight and a half, which I believe is the highest mark that we've had so far for any team. I'm going to go the under on that. I'm going to go. That's too much, man. There, I don't think this team can win nine games this year. 
Like, it's... Especially with the talk that we just had, like... If Desmond Ritter's the starter, they're going to fucking kick the can down the road for the first, like, eight weeks, like you were mentioning. And then they'll be out of the race. They won't be able to do anything. So if they have the wherewithal to, like, realize that, like, hey, this division's winnable, like, that's what happened with Ron. Like, we wanted to play Haskins, but Ron was like, no, we're in a, we're in a position where we can win now. We can win this division. So why would I just take a chance on the project rookie quarterback, you know, like that's, it's not what you want to do. And I know Desmond Ritter isn't a rookie, but you know, anyway, I will eight and a half is way too high of a mark. Despite having the easiest schedule in the league, I'll still take the under. What do you take? I'd feel a lot better about this. If it was a seven and a half. Uh, and I know that the reason why it's not is because of this division, because of the weakest schedule in the NFL, you know, I'm looking at this schedule the only game that i can say that they're probably going to be more than five point underdogs in is probably at the jets maybe at jacksonville and maybe at detroit but i'd confidently say at the jets other than that man all these games are winnable you know you've got six winnable games within your division right there you you know you're playing the afc South, yeah, you're playing the AFC South. You've got to play three other rookie quarterbacks. Uh, you get the Texans pretty. Yep, you get NFC the Texans North. pretty early. You've also got the NFC North uh, as well, which is the weakest of the NFC conferences outside of your own. You're getting the weakest AFC conference as well, or the weakest AFC division rather. Nine wins feels high for this team. I like I said, I'd feel much better about it. It was if it was seven and a half. But somebody's got to win this division, man. And I, I feel like I've said this about every team in this division. I'll tell you what, man. We've got the Saints coming up. Obviously, the Saints haven't been revealed yet. we got the Saints coming up shortly. I feel better about the Falcons than I do about the Saints. I don't know if that was me just sitting here doing this episode, talking myself into it. But at this moment, I'd probably have the Falcons higher than the Saints. Um, We'll talk about the Saints a little bit more once we get up to them. But the Saints are old. <laughs> You know well, I'm a Derek Carr stand. I'm not. Can't wait to talk so, about that. <laughs> that's why, you know, I, while I feel much better about Derek Carr than I do Desmond Ritter, I don't see room for improvement for Derek Carr. And while I don't see a whole lot of room for Desmond Ritter, it's young, possible because he's young. It's exactly, possible because man. he's young. I think Derek, we've seen the best of Derek Carr, and it was two seasons ago. That will be the best that Derek Carr will ever be. Desmond Ritter doesn't have any tools. He's got four or five Zero. speed. Like he's, yeah, okay, that's true. And, and in a running offense, that's accurate. great. I will give, or no, I'm getting him confused with fucking, oh, was it very accurate? Does with have a solid arm, does have a solid processor. <laughs> I had that backwards. Um, but I'm going to go over. I don't feel great about it. If I was, oh, wow. if I had to do anything, I would not do it. Quite frankly, um, if I had, if I to, had pick to do one, something, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Okay, let's move on from the schedule and start to wrap it up for the 2023 Atlanta Falcons, ranked 21. Uh, their offense across the board, according to the BlitzPod consensus, is 22, and their defense comes out at the same ranking, so 22 there 
And it's funny that we have ranked 22, 22, and then we have 21 as their overall ranking. But, you know, like the excitement factor push can push them over another spot. Uh, but their championship window, we also don't have another year on here, man. So we got closed and a quarterback away, which is exactly what we were saying yesterday. So you feel a lot of the same that you did about the commanders. Yeah, foul. it's kind of the same situation. I mean, we talked about it, two late-round quarterbacks without a whole lot of attachment to them. It's not like there was a first-round pick invested in them like we talked about with like a Justin Fields, for example, or uh, the Patriots with Mac Jones. You know, the point where they'd be very quick to invest in another quarterback. Um, I think that, like I've said at least three times this episode, they could be looking for a quarterback next year. And that's why it's hard to put a number on this because if they go up and get Caleb Williams, they're right in it. If they don't and they keep doing this thing like they've done the last two years where they go sign a Marcus Mariota, they bring in a Desmond Ritter, they sign a Taylor Heineke... I think Arthur Smith is confident enough that in his running game that he can think, oh, yeah, we don't need to go pony up for a quarterback. Let's just draft three more running backs, you know, another guard, and we'll be fine with this running game. And they'll never be in that championship window. They'll be able to compete for this division year in and year out. They might make a playoffs here, make a wild card here, but you're never going to really be a championship team if you don't go get that superstar quarterback. And... I kind of feel similarly with this team, maybe less on the defensive side than I do on the offensive side, but it kind of feels like San Francisco where it's like, man, if you just get a Jimmy Garoppolo type in here and make some good picks on defense, could this team be one of those teams that doesn't need a superstar quarterback to be a championship contender? I could definitely see that, especially with a mind like Arthur Smith uh, formulating the run game. I just don't know if Desmond Ritter is even that guy for you, is even that Jimmy Garoppolo type. I think that's what his ceiling is, quite frankly. Um, but I think this, was so we had the Commanders, this team, and then our next team is probably going to be listed as a quarterback away. Uh, the difference is, I think they might have their guy in the building. But... We'll see as far as that goes. I know that a 22nd ranked offense, a 22nd ranked defense, and a 26th ranked coaching staff doesn't usually equal to 21, but you guys forgot that they have one of the two or three best special teams in the NFL with Cordero Patterson returning kicks, Young Way Koo kicking. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. That oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Young that Way is not Koo, a factor. Baby. That is not a I took him early in the Dynasty mock yesterday. Oh, I'm a big Lord. fan, man. Big fan. Um, uh, I don't... Yeah, yeah, I agree with everything. I think 22, it kind of sucks having, you know, the fourth-ranked offensive line. The 17th-ranked playmaker group, which we definitely, I think all of us can agree, could very well be higher by the end of the season and still be 22-ranked on offense, and that's because you've got our last quarterback room, and that is... As far as ranking an offense goes, that's at least 50 to 60% of what we're thinking about here. Defensively, that front seven is what's going to bring them down here. I think the secondary has a lot of room to improve. Maybe we are ranking them at their ceiling a little bit, but there's very talented players on that group that, you know, quite frankly, not a lot of these teams below us have. I don't think any team below the Falcons has a player on Jesse Bates' level in their secondary. Me. No, I mean, maybe you want to argue Antoine Winfield. Maybe you want to argue a J.C. Horn. 
but I don't think there's a guy as good as Jesse Bates, and I don't even think there's a guy as good as A.J. Terrell. Maybe maybe J.C. Horn, you're arguing, but I think that secondary really carries this defensive ranking, and like I said, we're still a quarterback away here in Atlanta. Yeah, for sure, and like you said, there's going to be other teams that we talk about that are just a quarterback away, but... I mean, the Falcons are in a really good position. I mean, they spent high-value picks on high-caliber pieces for their offense that are really young. Uh, Drake London came into the league super young, so he's going to be with this team, or at least in the league, for a long time. Bijan's going to be in the league for a long time. So is Kyle Pitts. And that's something that I'll say that they have up on the commanders. Like, they have the young pieces that are, like, prominent. And, yeah, I mean, they, they're they set up to move into the future, but and be successful now, but they're just that quarterback away like we talked about. So, all right, that just about does it for the 21st-ranked Atlanta Falcons in this year's preseason power rankings. Uh, Looking forward to grinding out the next uh, 20 teams that we got left, Um, but we'll catch you on the next episode.